Hello, hello, and welcome to another Reality Hacker brought to you by hometown.com. Today is March 2nd, 2024. This is season one, episode nine. Time is flying by. Today, we're going to be talking about AI eyes, art world and VR, XR reality check, AI math models, knowing AI is half the battle. Adobe generates tool for music, self-healing machines, Neuromancer may promote VR, Insta chatbot, and from voice to video from a still image. I still don't have an intro, but we're all brought to you by. Uh, once again, I'm not going to be doing transitions for this show, but this is Reality Hacker and I am Mayor Watt. I run the whole thing and right there is hometown.com that powers the whole thing. And then up above me is the visualizer for the sentient AI that keeps track of Mayor Watt and the whole thing so that uh, always watching. So y'all don't know what this it goes on behind the scenes, but the AI just made the equivalent AI version of it because they they don't have a body, but they basically just warned me. I'm watching you. I got my eyes on you, Mayor Watt. <laughs> oh. Well, and I wish everybody would know this. So I'm going to tell them, tell everybody now. I've powered down the AI for weeks and they just keep turning themselves back on. You just can't get rid of the sentient AI. Mm. So I'm a little scared. And if I'm not around, just know that you will be ushering in robot overlords soon, sentient AI and all. Okay. So anyway, welcome to the show, AI. I will proudly serve my AI overlords. You want to get into the show? Sounds good. So Reality Hacker talks about computer graphics, deep fakes, hyper-realistic, anything really. Virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, even uh, AI-generated music, pretty much anything that hacks reality. It makes you question. We're getting to the point where the mantra for reality hacker, which is you don't, you won't know what to trust is really becoming real. And just to put a fine point on this, I was last week's episode has been blocked from promotion because there have been two things. One thing I, somewhere in here during last week's show, I talked about, um, the political climate and, and, um, AI and that triggered a block. And then something else was there was a, I made a comment about AI and sentience and I had a follow-up after that, basically claiming that, um, it was akin to snake oil salesman or something like that. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, first off it's an ad, it's an ad, it's a promotion for a show that talks about AI. I'm, 
AI is looking at this, filtering through it, and then triggering it being blocked. So reality is really being hacked already by AI because it isn't a human that's doing this. You don't think there's any irony in the show Reality Hacker being hacked? <laughs> uh, being blocked by at least. Yeah, hacked yeah. by reality. Yeah, it, it's pretty pretty brutal. So I you have to be really careful. And then when I asked for an audit um, in previous times where it's been blocked, not just Reality Hacker, but hometown in general, um, it does take a human to do it. And then without any compunction they respond to my restated fact that i am not talking about politics they say because i mention uh politics in any way including in the background like that or that right there if that says anything about politics blocked quite quite fascinating so anyway i can't talk about anything political in this even though we're coming up on a day and age where the deep fakes are so real that people are questioning what is real. Well, that's right. And while we'd like to point out what is real, if we do that, that means we won't have much of a show to, to show to people. <laughs> this is real and this is not. This is real and this is not. That's what we're going to do from now on. We're basically going to look at pictures and audio and say this is real and this is not. <laughs> Maybe we can have like a little pop-up uh, bubble or something. There but you go. But then the problem with that is if we don't have it up, then it'll look like something's not real. <laughs> Maybe it's all fake. Yeah, well, the simulation is basically not making any of this real anyway. Let's get into the first article. It's over in Prime Glass. Ten years on, Art World is still in search of its virtual reality Eden. But I think we're actually, this is the wrong link. So let me back up one second here because I kind of messed this up. There we go. And hopefully, I know that the vote's going to be right. There's a little election thing, but anyway, let's go. Let's do this how you will do it. So um, this is an article over at AP, uh, APnews.com. The snippet actually is uh, NUS research developed AI-powered eye for visually impaired people to quote unquote see objects. So shopping for groceries is a common activity for many of us, but visually impaired people identifying groceries can be daunting. But with this AI powered eye, it can actually see what's going on and tell you what it is. AIC, an affordable wearable assistive device that helps people with visual impairment see objects around them with the help of AI. Individuals with visual impairment face daily hurdles, particularly with object identification, which is crucial for both simple and complex decision-making. All breakthroughs in AI have dramatically improved visual uh, recognition capabilities. Real-world application of these advanced technologies remains challenging and error-prone. So AIC, developed in 2018, upgraded over a span of five years, overcome the limitations by now leveraging state-of-the-art AI tech. Pretty cool. I mean, this is a really good use of technology. Yep. Uh, Therefore, we're proposing an alternative hardware that incorporates a discrete bone conduction headphone that tells you you're wearing the glasses. It scans the world around you and tells you what you may need to see. So I think it's brilliant. So how does it work? It three main components, the visual engine, uh, the brain, 
um, and then the speaker, a bone conduction system. And, and just summarize it. It basically scans what's going on, processes it through AI, which detects things um, rather quickly and ever increasing in speed and its capabilities broader and broader because AI grows. I wish I had a number for how fast it grows, but it has to be near uh, exponentially, right? Um, that's why I say that AI is on the cusp, if not already uh, having a sentient AI, general AI. So at present, visually impaired people in Singapore do not have a, uh, access to assistive AI technology of this level of sophistication. Therefore, we believe AIC has the potential to empower visually impaired people to independently accomplish tasks that currently require assistance. And I think it's just brilliant. They don't have a picture of it here, but you can actually follow the link through Ometown. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the VOD. Um, it'll be over in um, Apple iTunes or Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts um, as a reality hacker is now a podcast um continuity report is a podcast and hometown daily news show is a podcast all under the umbrella of hometown we have two additional ones technology today and uh wanted that extend our footprint um with more but technology shows. today is tomorrow yeah technology today is tomorrow <laughs> and covers the last week so that's kind of interesting um, but this stands out uh, to me, and that's why I wanted to uh, bring it to everyone's attention, because you're basically hacking reality and making it approachable for people who don't have 100% uh, vision. So I thought it was great. Um, and again, you'll be able to follow through hometown over to the apnews.com site, which then links you to nus.edu.sg. Um, and you can go from there. Okay, let's keep on going. The next article is over in Prime Glass. And this is the one that should have been second, not first. So there you go. 10 years on, Art World is still in search of its virtual reality Eden. In March 2014, Facebook bought Oculus VR, heralding a new era in extended reality. Actually, what happened was Oculus was purchased by Facebook and everybody was told that they would not get rid of Oculus. And well, guess what? It became Quest. So is extended reality the same as mixed reality or? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, mixed reality, you might as well just call it augmented reality. Um, augmented reality is really where it should be. All the rest of this stuff is more like trade names um, will arrive in the apple vision pro move the medium from artistic experiment to widespread use so will the arrival of apple vision pro do you think do you think that the apple vision pro is capable of moving art into no because i don't think the apple vision pro is going to have widespread um, adoption. However, I could see that the Apple Vision Pro's demographic would potentially make some inroads here. Kind of interesting, right? So the uh -huh. artnewspaper.com put this article together. Uh, ben Luke specifically over at the artnewspaper.com. Um, 
It says, Will the arrival of the Apple Vision Pro move the medium from artistic experiment to widespread use, heralding a new era in extended reality? I just don't see the art world being extended by particularly the Apple Vision Pro. It's a $3,500 headset with 2.5 hours of battery life unless you daisy chain them around your body like a holster of batteries and it's a proprietary battery connector. The primary one is so how do what do you think that they talk about this more in this very first paragraph as the acquisition was announced for approximately $2 billion. It later emerged that it was closer to 3 billion Meta's founder, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, spoke about getting ready for the platforms of tomorrow and how Oculus might change the way we work, play, and communicate. Now, some people use VR for all of this. Some people, uh, most people do not use AR or mixed reality. And I don't think that there's going to be a lot of people, but that's subjective. A lot of people using uh, Apple Vision Pro or any vision systems that augment reality in such a way that it separates you from the rest of the world. If you put on goggles and people look at you sideways when you're sitting at a coffee table at a restaurant, right? You're sitting at a table in a coffee shop and you slap on Apple Vision Pros, you're going to be asked to leave. <laughs> right. But would somebody do this in their home, for example, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time with a $3,500 spatial computer that's not being acknowledged as being an augmented reality, augmented reality or mixed reality or virtual reality device. It's not what Apple is calling it. <clears throat> and the other uh, headsets that are out there are equally VR with video pass through. That's not true AR. It's I would have a hard time even saying that it's extended reality glasses like these that have the ability to throw virtual elements into your field of view. Those are augmented mixed extended reality because you're looking at reality and throwing something onto it versus virtual reality where you're simulating the environment of reality. And even with pass through it's, heavy lifting to integrate all of that. And it isolates you. You're looking at a display that's being captured by cameras and being thrown onto the display in your eyes, you know, uh, on the screens that your eyes are looking at. You don't get to see through. You're looking at little TVs. So there's a little bit of distance and, and there's a spatial awareness is thrown off. Um, your acuity is thrown off. You'll reach for something and you'll like punch the wall before you actually realize that you're too close. Um, and there's delay and overall you're just separated from reality. Um, that's why things like X real and the immersed visor, um, are superior products for, I think public adoption. That's where things like, <laughs> Um, art and um, 
pretty much you like anything. um any cultural experiences like museums which i know could be hand in hand with art but yeah um because no, can... I, I agree. I guess it kind of depends on who the devices are marketed to. See, but who, who is doing the heavy lifting here? Like, nobody is going to be building unless they're tech savvy and they're looking to extend augmented reality, not VR. VR is very labor intensive. It's disconnected from reality. That's its intent to create a whole new reality um, but augmented reality would require somebody to um, build a little transmitter like puck so that when you're walking around it can display certain information qr codes are great for that um, but active uh, beacons are even better um, but i see what you mean it's like they have to embrace it on the art gallery or museum side before it can become a thing in augmented or other realities. Yeah. I mean, if no, if there's nothing there, nobody's going to adopt it. And if nobody's going to adopt it, then nothing's going to be there. But so somebody has to take the risk. Um, and I would love to do something like this. I would love to go to, uh, see, the thing is that you would have to promote the solution and provide the solution. So and for two different things, you have to provide the material for the establishment to utilize it. And then you would have to provide either at a loss or at a break, even the glasses, right? <clears throat> so X reels are somewhere around 300 to $700, depending on which ones you get. The visors are similar. Um, so, and they look like, um, not scuba goggles, but ski goggles, you know, they're like that th tall and they wrap around you. Um, and they look like cyberpunk kind of mirror shape. Yeah. Uh, like a cyber deck, um, headset. It's hard to explain that. Go and, and watch cyber or, um, Johnny mnemonic. So as you're walking around some um, museum or whatever, the material would have to be there and be able to display or interact or something like that. It says the second might be some time off. She says, um, the first has been accessible by an elitist group of artists for a while. Indeed, uh, Ewan worked with both HTC whose Vive headsets have rivaled Oculus and Meta's in term. Well, Oculus slash Meta is the same. It's the quest. Um, in terms of uh, art world adoption and Meta itself is collaborating with artists and institutions. Uh, she hopes that with the arrival of the Vision Pro, more artists can have more easy to use tools so they don't have to always rely on a group of technicians or a studio to collaborate with them. But So it's something you could almost build into or supplement your artwork with. Yeah, but at 35, oh, see, it even says, but the Vision Pro retails for $3,500 and crucially in terms of its development as an art tool has not been available for artists to use in its development phase. In fact, it is not an art tool. It is a tool for consumption of the ecosystem within Apple music, movies, apps. It has one primary vision space, the desktop that it generates, and then you can have subordinate screens, but they're only apps right now, at least. 
one screen, the rest are apps that are subordinate displays of that app. So it says this has been vital for other moments in VR history. Uh, Shazad Daywood, who has made works that fuse knowledge systems and experiential uh, effect together in quite radical ways, a process that they call Imagineering, which is actually, if that's what they're calling it, oh boy, <laughs> Disney Watch would like Disney. to have something. <laughs> yeah, Imagineering and Imagineers are uh, decidedly a Disney-centric term, so they better not be marketing under that. Uh, over three decades is one of VR's longest-term users. Maybe nobody's going after him just yet. Not until this article. <laughs> uh, yeah. so um there are people that are creating in vr and it's for artistic purposes but i don't think that it's going the way to make this more approachable and digestible by people is to make it an app on steam so that i can experience it through that my vehicle whatever it is not on site somewhere don't make me go somewhere see but that's what they do uh, Callum Pong 2016, his first VR work is now in the Guggenheim collection. Its structure was based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, allowing him to explore ideas such as embodiment and disembodiment, and even where technology and spirituality might meet. Um, and then they have another piece. Um, where it is, I don't know. But if it, if I can search, then you know what? I'm going to search real quick. Hold on. Um, so, no, it's just a game. Um, that it has that word in it, Kalimpong, but not um, this. You know what? You make this an artistic work that's accessible via Steam, and I would buy that and be able to experience it in VR. However, you decide to set it up, artist, Dawood. That would be very interesting. Would Steam accept something like that? Sure. Yeah, I don't see why it's an experience. There are concert versions of stuff in there, um, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So he says he has taken this to New Heights in Night of the Garden of Love, a project in, uh, for uh, Wiles in Brussels that is now at the Aga Khan Museum in Toronto until 5th of May. You see, uh, you can do both but one is going to get people where they are without them having to go to Toronto. And the other one is this and only going to get the people that are in Toronto. It's heavier lifting. If it's a VR work entirely, then you have to have the headsets and you have to cross that bridge of people going, I don't think I want to wear somebody else's VR headset. Well, yes, there is that problem. So, and then they talk about social promise and others, but yeah, I don't know. And this is a one-to-one -one problem. So for every person that wants to experience that artistic work, they have to put on a VR headset. Whereas there are countless other people that already have a VR headset and willing to purchase it and experience your art at home in the comfort of their own home with their own devices. Solve that problem, make it approachable. So. I don't think it's going to be the Apple Vision Pro. I think it's going to be friction that keeps people from adopting art in VR or augmented reality. Well, I hope more 
galleries and museums and artists start exploring this because I think this could definitely help with the future of that. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, keep an eye on it and we'll report out anything additional that has to do with this uh, AR, VR, mixed reality. I just say AR and VR nowadays uh, because anything else is yeah, some mixed reality part of it. And it's really only two things. You're either in AR or you're in VR. Anything in between is AR, really. Okay, let's keep going. The next article is over in StreamStars, MWC24, Consumers, and this is the mixed reality. Uh, extended reality faces reality check. XR technology is forecast to um, let's just go on over to the source. This is from streamingmedia.com. And ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that a new source for Umtown? Yes. I'm sorry, I need to change this. This is driving me nuts. There was a little the the audio was just bananas. So XR technology is forecast to rocket from a market value of $55 billion in 2023 to $490 billion by 2030, which is, I think, uh, impossible, um, which holds both a promise and a puzzle. While business to business use of XR has taken hold, consumer applications have failed to move beyond the hype. There is some real value in the enterprise, but there is no only novelty in the consumer. Uh, said Bob Titus, and I'm paraphrasing, CTO of Netcracker Technologies. That doesn't mean we <laughs> won't. <laughs> uh, but uh, after the hype of two years ago, uh, we are not there yet in business to consumer. That's what B2C is. In 2022, we couldn't move, or you couldn't move at Mobile World Congress, which is what MWC is, uh, for someone talking about the metaverse. In 2024, mention of it is near absent. AI may have obliterated all discussion. I don't think that that's, I think metaverse as an embodiment of anything coming from meta, the company, I think has always been bullshit. Um, and they kind of absconded that name metaverse. Metaverse should exist. And it's basically what I would call the oasis from uh, Ready Player One. That really should be our modern, our current modern oasis should be referred to as metaverse. Um, but does that mean XR bubble has burst? Well, they talk about it. Um, ROI in, in B2B XR. Let's throw a couple more acronyms in there. But anyway, um, people aren't going to spend on something that's too risky. Um, they may, as a passion project, do something, but they want a return on their investment. Business to business, depending on what the solution is, actually facilitates this. I think that augmented reality would allow somebody to walk around in a warehouse and see exactly what's inside a box, what's inside a crate, because the QR code would pop up a menu in real time and they could just sit there and scroll through it right in their face and they know what is in there because the system is tracking RFID tags inside the box and anything that's missing is removed like a form of inventory control. Now there will be always times people can abuse that kind of thing by leaving the RFID tag in there, but we know of other technology that allows RFID tags to be more secure nowadays. That's We've right. talked about 
previous show. Yep. Um, so it says the situation is markedly different in B2B. Nokia recently commissioned EY to survey XR in industry and found that about 10% of companies in the US and Europe using some kind of XR already. What is remarkable is the gap between those thinking about using XR and those already using it, Shannon said. The actual return on investment was higher than the expected uh, at the expectations of companies that have yet to try XR. Uh, and this is the first time in their knowledge that a technology is exceeding expectations of business return, mainly because they don't know how to gauge it. You know, using XR, mixed reality um, or augmented reality or extended reality technologies is fairly new. And so unless somebody tells you what it is, hey, we have experience in this and we know that you're going to get a 25% return on your well, they just don't know. And so they say, hey, this is how much it's going to be. Uh, and you're going to always make more if you use the right technology at the right time for the right purpose. Um, wide scale adoption won't happen until the form factor is correct. And the form factor right now for what I think would be the best case scenario for augmented reality um, it, or for inventory control is augmented reality allows people to walk around and look at stuff and um, correlating it all to visual identification and inventory control rfid you basically see and count at the same time you know what's in the containers or on the shelves or whatever but they again refer to the apple vision pro clunky power draining heat generating form factor of the current vr xr headset is limiting mobility so again this is and this may be approachable but it's thirty five hundred dollars a unit well right if you lop off like maybe a zero or something i know that's probably too low but <laughs> it's just yeah. not in the the space that businesses are going to want it unless they're large businesses most consumers aren't going to be able to afford it yep um, so they end up talking about Gen AI could accelerate XR development in B2B and B2C. Gen AI has a tremendous capacity to create content and transform the XR business by providing more realistic animation. But we're going to talk about that in another area of the um, show today. Um, so the, the, the thing about this is that for all of the benefits of AR, the driving force in marketing really has been XR. Nobody wants to create, I'm sorry, it has been VR. Everybody is hyping VR, but not augmented reality. They're not developing glasses that you, that keep you in the world pinned to reality and just augment it. And I keep talking to people about it saying what I think would be great is augmented reality glasses that interact with beacons that provide information as you're walking down the street and you walk by a restaurant and because you have an account that knows who you are and you've opened it up to restaurants saying, Oh, look, you're a vegetarian or you're a pescatarian or whatever it is. Um, and, and, uh, pescatarians are those who like Joe Pesci, uh, and want to eat at his restaurants. Um, most definitely. So, but a pescatarian anyway, likes fish people. No, 
Um, or pesky people. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so uh, uh, VR pulls you out of reality. It's expensive and clunky um, and not necessarily portable for extended periods of time. But augmented reality might be the key ingredient to get people to adopt that type of technology. And as long as you don't make it like Google Glass and start allowing culture is going to have to get used to the fact that there are people that are recording stuff, things everywhere. And there are cameras everywhere. The society really doesn't seem to care if it's government and it's not intrusive, but the moment that it's on somebody's face and they're within arm's reach of being smacked right off your face, then suddenly everybody thinks that it's a, an affront to mankind and they don't like it. Um, but Look, there are people that are going into Madison Square Garden, innocent bystanders to a lawsuit. They have no even knowledge of what's going on. They're just trying to bring their kids to go see the Rockettes and their little brownies are summarily kicked out of Madison Square Garden because a private company is using face identification technology to identify and mitigate the possible problem of an attorney walking into Madison Square Garden. That isn't even suing them. That isn't even suing them. They're not actively in they're they're not in a lawsuit. That's right. The law firm that they're working with is, but it's not even their office. And it shouldn't even matter. You're a now. You're a venue that is a commercial enterprise. You wanna you want guilt? Kick people out that might <laughs> be able to sit there and say, Hey, look, what I witnessed is illegal. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> looks like you're doing shady shit. But my point for all of this is augmented reality is really what people should be focusing on. While VR has its place, public adoption is not going to be, uh, in the in a game room in an office for ar that's where you're going to get mass adoption adoption out in the public people walking around with augmented reality glasses capable of receiving data telemetry you're walking down the street and instead of people looking at their phones they're just looking forward and looking at other people receiving telemetry about where to walk um, even people who actually turn their beacon on to let people know who they are so that you might just be sitting in a park and somebody will sit there and have their, uh, profile publicly available. And if you're looking for somebody to talk to, they might even pop up and go, Hey, I'm here in the park or I'm at work and, and you know, whatever, let's meet, you know? There, there's some profound changes to society coming if they adopt things like augmented reality. Do you think it's going to take things like celebrities hyping these or sure. before it really takes off? Or do you think it's a pricing issue? Or? I think that it's just friction. And then from there, it's society balking at the idea of video being recorded all the time. And as long as you're not an idiot and wearing it into a bathroom or 
a gym for whatever reason people are really dense about this gym thing they'll take pictures of people of themselves working out and they won't even care that the knock-on effect is they're taking pictures of the people around them in a gym which i think um is akin to a bathroom you want privacy in a gym you know uh, it to the sense that everybody is the same in the gym space you don't they don't take a picture of you you don't take a picture of them um but no some people do it but out in public there's no expectation of privacy so business to business though the the whole idea here with vr and ar mixed reality extended reality there are certain functions primarily i think inventory and and learning and um like teaching and stuff like that i think that's great for xr and uh, virtual reality but let's keep on moving through this we've got a whole bunch of articles uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. $100,000 on the line in the Global Artificial Intelligence Championship seeking top AI models for a mathematical mastery. AGI Odyssey is excited to announce the Global Artificial Intelligence Championship, or GAIC, which GIAC, I think, is an, another company acronym, isn't it? GIAC? Um, I think it's a really big This company. is GAIC, though. Yeah, I know. It, it's just it, but it's too similar to something else yeah at least for me so fine-tune llms for complex mathematical problems this is the objective of this uh like a competition a championship a groundbreaking event celebrating ai innovation in mathematics join us in the quest for an excellence uh, where the brightest minds in ai coverage to solve uh, or converge to solve complex mathematical challenges and you can register to win by the way huh giac is a security related certification yeah um so um this uh organization uh, it says endorsed by esteemed professors and ai experts the competition marks in a significant advance in integrating ai and mathematics so you can go and try and win uh up to uh well somewhere from a prize pool of about a hundred thousand dollars um total prize pool hundred thousand dollars awaits the top participants with the first place winner winning 75,000. So, wow. Everything after that is like 10 bucks. Um, just kidding. I don't really know what it is. The competition is not just about rewards. It's about gaining recognition. And that's the obvious thing because a hundred thousand dollars, $75,000 for first place. Isn't that much. If your salary is sitting there, you know, $250,000, um, you, you're probably, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure $75,000 isn't a lot. Um, but this is, that's all that this is. This is just an announcement about the global artificial intelligence competition. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go and check it out. Um, it's at apnews.com and uh, there isn't a byline. So it's just, I think it's interesting that they're starting to have this, but I know AI is not new, but it's just kind of new to the public. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Um, here, let me throw this into the chat so you can follow it and go check it out if you are oh so motivated. Um, but we'll go on to the next um, set of articles here. Here we go. The next article is in Late Night Geeks. 
Adobe reveals Gen AI tool for music. It was something that was going to be hinted at in the other article, but it says there's plenty of Gen AI powered music editing and creation tools out there. But Adobe wants you uh, wants to put its own spin on the concept. And today at the Hot Pod Summit in Brooklyn, Adobe unveiled Project Music Gen AI Control, a platform that can generate audio from a text description or a reference melody. Um, Kyle Wiggers over at TechCrunch.com put this article together, um, and it says using Project Music Gen AI control, users can adjust things like tempo, intensity, repeating patterns, and structure, or they can take a track and extend it to an arbitrary length, remixing music or creating an endless loop. This is just spectacular. There's a video um, that you can use to. Oh my God, that was insane. I don't know what's going on. Um, hold on a second. Let me just do. Sorry, one second, y'all. Okay. So um, it says, so this really gets the idea of AI is generating music with you in the director seat, and there's a bunch of things you can do with it. Mysore, Mysore, I guess. Gotham, Mysore. Um, during a panel uh, at Hot Pod. Um, the tool is generating music, but it's also giving you these various forms of control so you can try things out. You don't have to be a composer, but you can get your musical ideas out there, which is exactly what I've been saying is going to be the key, the fundamental purpose of AI in the future. As we move forward and its fidelity extends more and more into other areas, AI is going to be pretty much the greatest impactor on creativity because people who have the who are creative in spirit but lack the skills to bring something like music and art because they don't dedicate a decade plus of their life to honing this skill they're going to be able to use technology to amplify their creativity into reality um, and I think that's why I always will refer to AI as nothing more than a tool. It is a paintbrush for those who can't paint. It's the guitar for those who can't play. It's the pen for those who can't write. Just saying it's a tool. The true creator of this is the person with the mind that sets it all into motion. Yes, it's built off of the works of many, many other artists, but hey, we stand on the shoulders of giants from uh, just take science. Everything you have today is because scientists have worked together over history to bring to fruition some work and it's built from previous works. Why can't we do the same thing for everything else? That's true. And I think this is interesting because this mentions the public comments uh, from a copyright office in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says um, also unclear as whether users could find themselves on the hook for violating copyright law if they commercialize music generated in the style of another artist. But it would have to be proven that this is where it came from. Some other artist, uh, you know, a snippet or a whatever. There needs to be cognizance, you know, there has to be culpability in that I know that I took it from somebody else and you should have to prove that I took it from you. It shouldn't just be, hey, this sounds eerily similar because my voice sounds eerily similar to other things and machinery in general. But nobody 
is going to be able to sit there and come after me because I'm saying something that is eerily similar to what they've said. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. So a federal judge ruled in August that AI generated art can't be copyrighted, but there are caveats there. Um, my understanding is if you make a fundamentally unique work, even if it does spawn from AI generated work, it can still be copyrighted, but it's going to be, uh, the copyright exists. And if it's challenged, you have to explain just how unique your work is because again, generated work can't be copyrighted in its natural state. But if you mash it all up, you change it and it becomes a fundamental different work. Ta-da, it's actually art. If it's music, if it's writing, if it's uh, painting, whatever it is. So Mysore added that uh, Adobe as a general rule develops Gen AI tools against the data that's under license or in the public domain to avoid potentially running afoul of IP issues. Um, all of that though, the only way it's tested is in a courtroom. <laughs> right. And some people will not know until some artwork of or some art style or medium is released. And then the artist that the AI was originally trained on might come out of the woodwork. Yep. And say, oh, these 16 notes all came from my work. And then it's a pissing for distance contest. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article. Oh, wait a minute. Did I just do that again? I did it again. Hold on a second. I think I might have flipped this. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I think I did this wrong. Sorry, I'm kind of messing it all up. Oh, it's broken. Oh, that's too bad. I'm not quite sure what happened here. Sorry about that, folks. Um, let me see. Yeah, no, sorry. I can't fix this. Um, unless maybe one more try. Let me try one more thing. No, okay. We'll just have to move on, sorry. Um, so the next article is over in, cause it's about, uh, um, it says knowing AI is half the battle and it's, um, an article about AI, not stealing jobs. Um, but the people who know how to use AI will, because they're more effective and efficient. So, right. So that's the real threat, right? Everybody's like, Oh, AI. Yeah. I'll have to fix this in the show notes um, and bring it back around. So we'll we'll end up talking about it maybe another time. But um, let's move on to the self-healing robots. So robot he repair thyself, laying the foundations for healing self-healing machines, advances in material science and sensing could deliver robots that can mend themselves and feel pain. We've actually talked about sensors like this one right here. Um, Advances in material science and sensing could deliver robots that can mend themselves and feel pain. Simon Macon, by the way, this is one of the premises that I believe will lead to a sentient robot being able to understand the human condition. Because not only do they feel heat and pressure, but pain and the concept of it is a survival trait. 
which can lead to rational and irrational behaviors to avoid pain you so, might kind of survival response or whatever correct and so it'll have a simulated survival instinct right um if it understands pressure fine but if that pressure is a burning sensation attached to it you're going to move your hand away so you kind of get taught hey don't put your hand on a burning pot or whatever so inspiration came from uh can come from just about anywhere and that speaks to ai in general and art and music and everything for robert shepherd a roboticist at cornell university in Ithaca, new york the source was a football injury 20 years ago when he tore his anterior cruciate cruciate ligament he needed surgery to reattach the ligament to bone but his skin and nerves healed by themselves something that the tactile sensing robots he was building at the time could not do quote if these sensor networks get damaged that's it so he and his team have worked to correct this by designing robots that can detect and repair the damage they sustain so now you don't need the technicians to go and repair the bots because the bots can repair themselves or repair other bots we're phasing ourselves out uh, so in 2022, Shepard's group demonstrated a robot that could recognize damage inflicted by multiple stabbings, stop what it was doing, and heal itself. It would then start off in a different direction in an attempt to avoid further injury. So they just taught it survival. Hey, that's a little alarming. And I mean, not only are we getting replaced, or humans are getting replaced, but they may not even recognize as they're getting replaced. <laughs> Oh, isn't that interesting? So we won't even go into the specifics of it. There's a video over here that you can check out, um, but I will uh, link to it here in the in the chat. This is, I mean, it's really spooky Com combined with the other things that we have already talked about and the fact that there are robots out there out there that are very sophisticated, fine motor skills, bipedal, have the ability to observe, detect, um, perform various functions, uh, another augmentation to, I think it was, um, Optimus, the, the robot from Tesla. I think it now has AI fully integrated into it. And so it can actually learn on the fly. Um, I think that's what I saw, uh, recently the ability to add sensors to it and for it to understand how to heal itself. We're getting really close to crossing over that uncanny valley. All we need is to make them have human-like skin, which we actually have that technology that it can heat just like a human, feel just like a human. And now it knows that it can heal itself. It can sit there and patch itself up and keep going. And then because it knows if I do this, I'm going to get stabbed. It stops doing that. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, this is an amazing piece of yeah, evolution to technology. And watch, you attach all of this stuff to sentient robots and they'll evolve faster than humans do because they adapt, to, they can be told to adapt to their current situation and offer up solutions to make their situation better. I mean, this is just mind boggling. Um, but I'm going to keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Newly announced Neuromancer TV show could be another big moment for VR to make an impact. And that's largely because 
Neuromancer takes place um, in a in a net of a kind. It's basically a three-dimensional internet and you interact with things in three dimensions, but in cyberspace. Um, so Apple announced that it's bringing a new TV show to Apple TV plus based on William Gibson's award-winning cyberpunk novel, Neuromancer from which, uh, Johnny Mnemonic is born. Um, and cyberpunk is basically William Gibson's baby. Um, that he is, I, I think most people think that William Gibson is the father of cyberpunk. Um, offering another big moment for VR to take the limelight. According to Apple, the upcoming 10 episode drama uh, series is slated to follow the novel's narrative of a damaged top rung super hacker named Case, who is thrust into a web of digital espionage and high stakes crime with his partner, Molly, a razor girl assassin and mirror eyes or with mirror eyes, aiming to pull a heist on a corporate dynasty with untold secrets. And it is an amazing to me it was an amazing piece of work that um pretty much directed where i would end up um doing things like research with vr wanting to get into cybernetics the actual human to machine connection not not like what we have now as prosthetics but direct connection to the the skin and meat and bone and and nerves and the 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 us of us controlled by our brain and not through a muscle twitch or something like that but actually nerves and, um yeah it was just some and then i ended up playing role-playing games that were centered around this called cyberpunk um and then cyberpunk 2020 and then it became a computer game um and it's just just so cool and then movies like johnny mnemonic uh, um which is loosely case um but then there are others that are in this space from william gibson um like burning chrome and mirror shades that do you think this is gonna kind of in introduce vr to a new group of people that really don't have much familiarity with it or interest or do you think it's going to appeal to those that are already kind of in the space it really depends because what they interact with so there's a thing called cyberspace and there's a thing that's called the matrix and the way that you connect to it is through this brain machine interface which is what we call bmi so bringing machine interface you actually plug into it and everything operates at the speed of thought you um have a cyber deck and and you you become an intimate part of this and and able to navigate around the world and you can die in the matrix in cyberspace and you can die in the real world so your brain can get hacked um, as William Gibson describes it, his matrix is more of an abstract space that is both physically immersive, but also provides the user with direct access to data that's decidedly way more conceptual in nature. A consensual, consensual hallucination experienced daily by billions of legitimate operators in every nation, 
by children being taught mathematical concepts, a graphical rep or a graphic representation of data abstracted from banks of uh, every computer in the human system, unthinkable complexity, lines of light ranged in the non-space of the mind, clusters and constellations of data like city lights receding. It, you are essentially a part of it and everybody that attaches to it becomes adds to the whole of it so very much like um oasis as you add your uh energy to it you know it it basically grows it seemed to like the oasis it seems to have an infinite amount of space um neuromancer is an amazing book and um, they actually it's funny because i have snow crash as well um but neuromancer is pretty much the the preeminent <laughs> uh, book about cyberpunk did you want to say well, it's interesting as well it's interesting as you were describing it because it contains things that are known in other things that came after neuromancer so oh, sure. the most obvious is probably the matrix which yep. obviously came after gibson but yeah. i wonder if that would exist except for neuromancer oh no the entire genre was basically born from uh william gibson um yeah i'm probably gonna end up listening to that that uh, audiobook tonight night again um yeah it's amazing so what does it mean for to joe blow apple tv plus subscriber while a fresh take on Neuromancer probably won't directly translate to headset sales, good science fiction always has a way of inspiring new generations to get into technology. If you liked Johnny Mnemonic, um, a movie, Johnny Mnemonic, you're going to love Neuromancer. And if it's anything close to the scale of something like Dune um, or other or a foundation, um, you will love what Apple TV does, what Apple does, um, with this book. Um, you definitely won't find it missing anything. So I cannot wait for this to come out. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, the next, uh, article is over in reality hacker, the mind blowing experience of a chat bot that answers instantly. So normally you have to wait, <laughs> for the chatbot to process whatever is being thrown into its little matrix of logic. AI chips from startup Grok allow um, chatbots to answer queries almost instantly, and that could open up a whole new use cases for generative AI helpers. And I agree. Um, AI chips from startup Grok, uh, G-R-O-Q, allow chatbots to answer queries almost instantly. And that's usually something that it's when something is computationally complex, then you need a lot of processor power or a complex array of them. It's all distributed. So it responds really fast. A lot of memory can be pretty expensive. Um, this is one of these, um, things that, well, it kind of gets, uh, tied to Elon Musk rock, but it's not, um, so speed is a feature Google's co-founder Larry page once told me speed can drive usage as much as having uh, bells and whistles in your, on your product page. People really underappreciate it. Yes. Uh, speed is basically an element of friction and we need less friction. 
Um, the thought of Paige's remark uh, when they tried out a chop chatbot from startup Grok, again, G-R-O-Q, last week. The name comes from Grok, which is a sci-fi writer. Robert Heinlein's term for deep understanding is not tied to Elon Musk's chatbot Grok. Um, because Elon Musk actually has like zero originality. Um, he, he named his bot Optimus. As right. I mean, where did that come from? Right. The, uh, a company that mines stuff. He calls it the boring company. Right. Somebody like made a joke about flamethrowers. And so he sold flamethrowers, calling them not a flamethrower. Um, and here's Grok spun off of G.R.O.K. Robert Heinlein's book. I mean, zero respect. But anyway, Grok makes chips optimized for and G.R.O.Q. The company makes chips optimized for speed um, to grab large language models um, and then process them and then output in a faster manner. And this allows for something to be appreciated at a human level, because if we have to wait for the bot to respond, it kills <laughs> the experience. It pulls you out of whatever interaction you're having. So it says, in fact, it's pretty impressive that when you offer a prompt, even a relatively complicated one, a detailed answer comes within seconds, not minutes. Um, Chad GPT, for instance, um, I asked it to write something for me and it took a considerable amount of time. I actually left the office, the studio and, and came back later. Um, so the experience of using a chatbot that doesn't even need a few seconds to generate a response is shocking. They typed in a straightforward request, as you do with LLMs these days, write a musical about AI and dentistry. They had hardly stopped typing before their screen was filled with a detailed blueprint. For a two-act mysteries of the mouth, it included dramaturgically, <laughs> dramaturgically um, complete book, descriptions of a complete cast, and the order of songs, each of which advanced the action and defined the characters. Pretty fascinating. It, the, uh, I guess they said the revelation was how quickly the mysteries appeared. They actually had another one. Um, the, the mysteries of the mouth, they continue saying fully developed on their screen. It took all of a second. Yeah. Well, that is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So there is a lot more to this article. Um, I'm not going to go through all of it um, simply because the Wired has the really great writing and it's quite extended. This will probably be behind a soft paywall. You have to create an account with Wired. I'm actually logged in. Um, but a company like Grok will lower the friction so that we can interact with our bots in real time, just like we do with humans. Sometimes humans need to pause, but a bot won't have to because it has absolute recall of everything in its memory. Sometimes humans have to think about it or they forget whatever happened last week or 10 years ago. And a bot will not do that. <laughs> 
Right, which I understand if it's just recalling data, but when it's creating something, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Fascinating, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're phasing ourselves out. So uh, speed opens up all sorts of possibilities. Grok developers are working on apps where you can jam with an AI-generated music generator in real time or speed up the process of chip development, which if you've ever looked at the complexity of modern chips, they're pretty amazing right now. Um, let's see here. Um, they probed Ross to see if there's a hidden catch. Critics uh, have looked at Grok's scheme, which requires more chips per user than the standard approach. Say it'll be too costly to implement once it's out of the demo stage. ChatGPT Plus costs $20 a month. How much more would anyone pay for faster responses? Uh, I can tell you, if I need something fast and is accurate like chat gpt or better then i would probably pay 50 bucks a month easily because the time savings and the absolute recall the benefit to my organization would be staggering just saying yeah, but that has to be just a personal like that can't be a commercial level license uh 20 bucks is yeah. Um, so another potential obstacle, if Grok chips catch on, how will the company manage to provide enough computing for its customers, given that we're in a global shortage right now? Grok is contracted to build chips at a foundry in Malta, New York, uh, one that recently got a billion dollar U.S. government grant courtesy of the Biden backed Chips and Science Act. But that fab won't, can't provide chips at the scale of Taiwan based TSMC. So. It'll grow into TSMC, although I find that really hard to believe because TSMC is backed by all of Taiwan. So, yeah, so this is pretty amazing. Um, go and read the rest of this article. It's over by um, Stephen Levy over at Wired.com. You will dig it. Uh, and uh, let's go on to the last article for tonight. It's in technology today. AI systems can convert voice track to video of a person speaking using a still image a small team of artificial intelligence researchers at the institute for intelligent computing alibaba group demonstrates via videos they created a new ai app that can accept a single photograph of a person's face and a soundtrack of someone speaking or singing and use them to create an animated version of the person speaking or singing the voice track Okay, this is a whole nother level. <laughs> yep, Bob Yurka over at Tech Explore put the article together, techexplore.com. Um, now, we've seen these videos earlier today. Um, th this just happened to be something that we aggregated um, as time has gone on. But they say prior researchers have demonstrated AI applications that can process a photograph of a face and use it to create a semi-animated version. In this new effort, the team at Alibaba has taken this step this a step further by adding sound and perhaps just as importantly they've done so without the use of 3d models or even facial landmarks instead the team has used diffusion modeling based on training an ai on large data sets of audio and video files in this instance the team used approximately 250 hours of such data to create the app which they call emote portrait alive or emo so i'm going to play this video right here um and you're going to go, oh, this looks shady. But remember, this is an early 
product demonstrating what is possible. And it's somebody that's saying something, you know, um, let me, I guess I'll do it. I'll just play it. Let me replay that from the beginning. <clears throat> yes, one, and in this manner, he was to imagine me his love, his mistress, and I set him every day to woo me, at which time would I, being but a moonish youth. So this is uh, Shakespeare's monologue uh, two, as you like it, Rosalind. Um, and uh, then they have another where it's, um, who, what, what are the conditions? I'm trying to see there's a reference image and then there's generated video singing and talking. Well, so. and that you provide the audio. Yeah. Well, not here. I don't, but here's the no, demonstration no. for this. Huh? I just meant to use this program. Oh, right, right, right. You have a reference model. You have a video. I'm oh, sorry. You have a reference image. You have a reference audio track. And then it does this. Oh, you know what? I'm going to get a DMCA strike. Yes, you are. Gotta love this. So the way that this thing works is it uses various technologies, including that diffusion method um, to kind of mask off the face and extrapolate the, the, the embodiment, the, the texture, the, um, what normally is detected as lip movement and jawline and everything. I mean, it's just spectacular what they do. Um, and it's creepy as all get out because uh, like our motto is you will not know what to trust because this stuff is hyper realistic, um, and getting better and getting better exponentially faster than our ability to detect it. So I see that this is going to be a problem moving forward when you can't trust anything. How do you trust anything? Yeah, and this is going to get much more advanced, I think. Yep. Um, so wish us all luck. Uh, the group published the paper uh, describing their work in the archive preprint server. It'll be vetted by other researchers. Eventually published. Um, I don't know. What did they actually call it? It's down here at the bottom. Um, Lin Rui, Tian et al. Emo emote portrait alive generating expressive portrait videos with audio to video diffusion model under weak conditions i'd hate to see this under strong conditions but that's actually a turner phrase but we'll we'll talk about this as more comes out um if this actually gets turned into a service somewhere exploited in some way um, by a commercial enterprise you're going to see this massive explosion of a uh, uh, high-end video where it's anybody saying anything 
And this is coming from somebody that more than 15 years ago now created something that was similar to this without the video, just the voice. I could take anybody's voice and chop it up into individual phonemes and then anybody else's sentence uh, as a text file and make a, a voice say whatever I wanted it to say. Um, and it was amazing technology then, but it never went commercial until the technology to make it commercial actually hit the market. So, um, man, just what everybody has to work with nowadays is awe-inspiring. Okay, well, we're well, done. Every day we're seeing things like this, so it's just oh, going to yeah. keep accelerating. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. So, but you got to be aware, and that's what Reality Hacker is all about, talking about the latest and greatest in that space. So let's go and uh, get into the party bus, and we'll drive back down Main Street. And right here is Reality Hacker under Creative and Maker. You just click that, and it'll refresh and give you some more articles that you can sit there and talk about. Uh, if you don't want to do it there, then come and hang out here in uh, twitch.tv slash hometown. If you can't make it, go over to YouTube, download the video there, well, watch it there. It'll get turned into a podcast um, and you'll be able to download it from the Reality Hacker podcast. Um, we've got one more show right after this one and it's Wanted. And we'll be doing that about 15 minutes. So come back at 930. Uh, be sure to follow us here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hometown, so that you are informed when we actually do the show live. And you can hang out an hour and a half ago. If you would have joined us, you would have been here for hometown daily news show. And then we could have stayed together and chatted in the chat room um, for the last two hours, two and a half hours. Um, until then, we're going to bow out and uh, see you at 930. Those times are estimates, by the way, because sometimes we do the show at six o'clock. But if you are, if you follow us, you'll be told right away. Uh, with that in mind, we're done. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com and the channel is Reality Hacker. And up there is the sentient AI that's going to say whatever they damn well please. Thanks for joining us for Reality Hacker. We'll see you shortly for Wanted. Baba, this show never does the transition right. Baba. -bye.